Section 18 of the Watergate Report, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 8 The Hughes Rebozo Investigation and Related Matters, Part 11. 9. The IRS Investigation of Rebozo. The evidence set forth below indicates that the Internal Revenue Service investigation of Rebozo was postponed several times, was handled through oral rather than normal written reports, included advance notice to the President and Rebozo, did not inquire into the relevant periods given in testimony and evidence available, allowed Rebozo's attorney, rather than the IRS, to obtain information from third-party witnesses, did not include additional interviews with Rebozo, even after the IRS had learned Rebozo had altered his previous statements, included notice to Rebozo that the IRS did not intend to pursue any criminal investigation of the matter, included notice by the IRS to Rebozo and his attorney, that the special prosecutor's office had sought and obtained disclosure of evidence regarding rebozo involved the use of extra personnel at the request of the taxpayer the internal revenue service first learned of a relationship between charles g rebozo and the hughes tool company in december of nineteen seventy one during the investigation of john h meyer meyer an employee of robert mayhew had allegedly received millions of dollars from the fraudulent sales of mining claims to Hughes. Because of Meyer's relationships with a variety of political figures, including F. Donald Nixon and Edward Nixon, IRS-sensitive case reports were prepared on a monthly basis, relating information to alert IRS officials and the Secretary of the Treasury, of an IRS investigation that might touch upon prominent and therefore newsworthy individuals. Former Secretary of the Treasury Schultz determined whether information from the sensitive case reports should be brought to the President's attention. The December 1971 sensitive case report indicated that Mr. Rebozo had instructed Meyer to be unavailable for an IRS interview because it was feared Meyer might disclose his association with Donald Nixon in connection with the sale of mining claims and rebates from the claims. Former Commissioner of the IRS, Johnny M. Walters, stated to the committee that he advised Secretary of the Treasury John Connolly on March 3, 1972, of the allegations relating to Rebozo's advice to Meyer to make himself unavailable. In addition to the Meyer investigation, the IRS was also conducting an intensive investigation of the Hughes organization that was described by former Commissioner Walters. This Hughes project investigation was a mammoth undertaking because the Hughes organization is so diverse and so widespread that we required a substantial number of agents, special agents and others, to carry on the investigation. I forget, but I have a recollection that at one point we had approximately 50 people on this thing, and I could see it going on forever. As part of the above investigation, special agents of the IRS interviewed Danner on May 15, 1972, 
in the offices of the Hughes Tool Company in Houston, Texas. On that occasion, the IRS received testimony under oath from Danner that he had, in fact, delivered two packages containing a total of $100,000 in cash to Charles G. Rebozo. Examination by this committee of sensitive case reports provided by the IRS reflects no mention of the information received concerning the receipt by Rebozo of the $100,000 until an entry on April 26, 1973, which referred to a telephonic contact made by the IRS with Rebozo. The sensitive case reports do reflect, however, on a continuing basis, information relating to amounts paid to former chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Larry O'Brien, from the Hughes Tool Company, pursuant to a contract. Former Commissioner Walters recalls Mr. Rebozo's name surfacing in the late spring or early summer of 1972, and a request by the IRS to interview both Rebozo and F. Donald Nixon with regard to matters previously mentioned. However, Walters stated that he decided, as is reported more completely in this report elsewhere, that the policy of the IRS should not be to interview sensitive political figures during the campaign year of 1972. It is also pertinent to note, however, the IRS policy did not prohibit the continued investigation of Larry O'Brien after communications were received from John Ehrlichman. Rebozo was finally contacted by IRS agents from the Las Vegas office on April 26, 1973, and was interviewed on May 10, 1973. After the results of that interview were furnished to the Washington, D.C. National Headquarters, a decision was reached to conduct an investigation and audit of Rebozo, but that the investigation would be conducted by the Jacksonville, Florida office. The District Director of the Intelligence Division, Troy Register, assigned Agent John Bartlett to be in charge of the Intelligence Division criminal fraud side of the investigation. Bartlett and Agent Bert Webb from the Audit Division met with Rebozo's attorney, Kenneth Jamil, on July 10, 1973, and advised Jamil that they were assigned to make an examination of returns of Rebozo for the years 1968 through 1973, Mr. Jamil objected to any examination of 1968 or 1969 or 1973 records, claiming that the statute of limitations had already run out on 1968 and 1969, and that 1973 records were not relevant. Agent Bartlett responded by indicating that Rebozo had previously told the IRS that he thought the money had been delivered in 1968 and 1969, and that there was other information relating to money in 1968. Despite this initial position, the Internal Revenue Service ultimately agreed not to require production of records relating to 1968, 1969, or 1973. In addition, on that same date, Bartlett's notes indicate that he advised Jamil that the IRS would not contact third-party witnesses, but would allow Jamil and Rebozo to obtain information needed by the IRS from third parties. Had the IRS in the spring of 1973 required the production by Rebozo of the 1969 records, 
the agents would have observed then that rebozo had provided payments for the personal expenses of president nixon bartlett and webb again met with rebozo on july twenty fourth nineteen seventy three apparently to discuss leaks of information rebozo charged came from the irs according to bartlett's notes the irs agents asked rebozo for reasons not explained whether he had been contacted by cox's commission and he answered in the negative agents bartlett and webb again met with rebozo on august seventeenth nineteen seventy three at which time rebozo advised them that the president was flying in that night to see rebozo and wanted to go out to california with him but rebozo did not think he would go because he wanted to stay and finish up the irs business mr rebozo indicated to the irs agents that he would like to pay to have additional agents put on the investigation in order that it would be finished more quickly after making that request the second time rebozo mentioned to the irs agents that the president had phoned him fifteen minutes after his speech on the previous wednesday mr bartlett has advised this committee that pursuant to rebozo's request mr bartlett discussed this issue with his superiors and additional agents were added to the investigation on october tenth nineteen seventy three irs agents met with attorney jamel at the university club in new york city and advised Jamil that the investigation had developed nothing new. Mr. Jamil then requested that the IRS furnish him with a copy of the interview previously conducted by the IRS on May 10, 1973, with his client. Bartlett provided a copy of that interview to the taxpayer's lawyer, who made notes of his client's prior statements. During the October 10th meeting in New York, Agent Bartlett inquired of Mr. Jamil as to whether Mr. Rebozo had ever informed President Nixon of the receipt of the $100,000. In response to that request, Mr. Jamil phoned Agent Bartlett at 10 a.m. on October 12, 1973, and related to him that he had talked to Rebozo, who now indicated that he had in fact told Rosemary Woods that he had placed the $100,000 in the safe deposit box. Agent Bartlett's response was to ask Rebozo's lawyer if Woods would be available for an interview. Jamil said he didn't know, but that he would find out if they so desired. Bartlett indicated that he did not need the information at that time. Jamil again telephonically contacted Agent Bartlett on October 16, 1973, and talked between 9.30 and 9.32 a.m., at that time, Jamil advised Bartlett that after their conversation the prior week in New York, Jamil called and asked Rebozo whether he had discussed the money with the president. Jamil said that Rebozo told him that he had told the president in Key Biscayne between the election and when the money was returned, which Rebozo believed was in the spring of 1973. Bartlett asked Jamil when it was that Rebozo had advised Miss Rosemary Woods, and Jamil said shortly after the receipt of the money. Bartlett then asked about access to Miss Woods and was told that they probably could get a statement from her as to what she knew about it. Bartlett had another telephonic communication with Jamil on the following day, October 17th and Jamil advised Bartlett that he would get on the phone the next day with regard to the letter from Rosemary Woods. 
Bartlett advised Jamil, I told him that we had nothing new basis at present, that I thought nothing serious would develop, but we had to wait to see what might come up in Watergate or Cox before making a final decision. Bartlett has indicated to the committee that he intended to mean by this quoted language that the IRS could not state that they had cleared Rebozo while another investigative body had an ongoing investigation. Jamil testified that he had no recollection of any discussion of the special prosecutor at all with Agent Bartlett. Agents Bartlett and Webb met with Rebozo at his bank on October 18, 1973, and indicated that they had advised Jamil about the results of the investigation, and I, Bartlett, don't anticipate at this time any action by intelligence, final decision still pending. Bartlett has explained that the information was communicated to Rebozo so that he would understand that there would be no continuing criminal investigation by the IRS of the matter. Bartlett's handwritten notes further indicate that on that date he advised Rebozo that disclosure of information and evidence obtained by the IRS had been granted to Special Prosecutor Cox's office. Agent Bartlett has indicated to the Select Committee that he disclosed this information to warn the taxpayer under investigation that anything he might say might be evidence against him in the grand jury. Agent Bartlett conceded, however, that when he read the taxpayer his Miranda warning rights in his earlier interview on July 10, 1973, the taxpayer was then advised the information he provided could be used against him in a criminal proceeding. Agent Bartlett's notes also reflect that he had a prior telephonic communication with Jamil on October 18th, between 9.30 a.m. and 9.38 a.m., and the notes include the words, Call after meeting with Cox, Fred Buzart, White House, 4861414, and 1. I told Jamil about disclosure to Cox. According to Bartlett, these notes indicate that Jamil was informed by Bartlett even before Mr. Rebozo that Special Prosecutor Cox's office had received a disclosure of IRS information with regard to the receipt by Rebozo of $100,000. The notation, with Buzhart's name on it, according to Bartlett, refers to the fact that Jamil was to contact Buzhart to obtain a letter from Rosemary Woods reflecting her information with regard to the receipt of $100,000 by Rebozo. While attorney Kenneth Jamil could not recall discussions with Bartlett with regard to Special Prosecutor Cox, he admitted to having a conversation with White House counsel Fred Bouchart, but refused to discuss the substance of it on the grounds that it was protected by the attorney-client privilege. White House counsel Fred Bouchart testified that he recalled having received a request from Mr. Kenneth Jamil to see if I could get some answers to some questions for an internal revenue agent. I believe that pertains to this from Miss Rosemary Woods. I think you submitted to me a list of questions which I provided to Miss Woods. Miss Woods gave me the answers. I drafted a letter for her to a revenue agent or somebody with the IRS, and I believe it was Jacksonville, Florida, but I do not recall for sure. That is the only thing I recall doing with respect to this at all. Fred Buzart further testified that he did not remember the questions that the IRS wanted answered. 
that he recalled the subject was about whether miss woods had a conversation with mr rebozo but he could not recall the subject matter of the alleged conversation buzart did not recall whether he saw woods in person or contacted her by telephone but he did recall i discussed the questions with her and i asked her what the answers were and would she answer them for the irs and she said yes she gave the information and i prepared the letter for her as i recall or a draft and sent it over to her and as i recall she sent it back to me and i mailed it i think as i recall i sent her the draft and i sent an envelope addressed to the irs buzart did not recall whether woods answered the questions orally or in writing and also did not recall that after the letter was prepared typed and signed that he had taken it back from woods had made some changes on it had it retyped and re-signed by her buzart did not recall whether between the time the letter was typed and the time it was sent he had contacted any other individual with regard to the contents of the letter but admitted it is possible buzart could not recall how long it was between the time jamil requested the letter and buzart's first contact with woods with regard to the letter he did not recall whether any changes had been made in the substance content or body of the letter prior to the time it was sent and when asked did you furnish a copy of that letter to any other individual buzart replied i do not know when asked if he had made any changes on the letter that was to be signed by woods buzart answered well i don't have a recollection of it mr lensner i am sure i wouldn't have made changes unless there was some outside input because i didn't know anything about the matter i had no idea what the answers to the questions were so i would have had to have had some input from outside if i made changes they had to come from miss woods they couldn't have come from me because i had no earthly idea about the matter one way or the other buzart could not recall whether he ever asked woods the president's personal secretary if she had ever discussed the matter of the one hundred thousand dollars from mr rebozo with president nixon or anyone else at the white house woods testified concerning the letter that mr buzart came in and said that the irs is apparently in there checking all or they're going over mr rebozo's files he wanted mr buzart wanted to give them a letter on the hughes loan i mean the hughes contribution and he asked if i would be willing to sign a letter they could give to the irs and i said yes i would and i gave him the best of my knowledge on it he wrote the letter and then as i say it was typed twice because he just changed a couple of words in the letter there was no major change i don't even remember whether he changed to or by or what it was because he prepared the letter and mrs acker typed it woods testified that she did not know whether jamil had asked for the letter miss woods was sure however that fred buzart left her office with the letter and then returned after a period of time with some changes woods did not recall what changes were made in the body of the letter in addition to the fact that miss woods's letter was signed and sent to the irs on october eighteenth nineteen seventy three general alexander haig the chief of staff of the white house and h r haldeman's successor telephonically communicated to attorney general elliot richardson on that same date a re-expression of the president's concern about the extent to which mr cox was getting into things that he thought were outside the charter 
Former Attorney General Richardson testified before the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee that Haig advised him of the President's concern, and he didn't see what Mr. Cox's charter had to do with the activities of Mr. Rebozo, especially when there had already been an investigation of the whole matter by the Internal Revenue Service. Richardson further testified that General Haig expressed not only that the investigation was outside of Mr. Cox's charter, but also that the Internal Revenue Service was giving Mr. Rebozo a clean bill, that it was the most thorough investigation in years, and they are intimidated. This is no longer an acceptable basis for a government to run. That was October 18th, but there was no request that anything be done about Rebozo, and I had no conversation about Rebozo with Mr. Cox at all. When asked specifically about the October 18, 1973 telephone call with then-Attorney General Richardson, General Haig answered as follows. Yes, I do, and again in the context of an indication. At the time we were very concerned about another matter with respect to Mr. Cox, and Mr. Cox's failure to give us a response, and the whole subject to Mr. Cox's frame of reference activities and investigations came up. As I recall, Mr. Richardson mentioned to me something about a Cox activity at that time that I knew nothing about, involving Ablanalp and his discussions with Mr. Cox about that. Well, I did not raise that. Elliot raised it. I raised this strictly in the context of the problems we were having with Mr. Cox on another issue, and what I would want to make very, very clear is that the Rebozo matter had nothing to do with the considerations and deliberations made with respect to Mr. Cox in that week of October. General Haig was also asked if he called Attorney General Richardson at the instruction of the President on October 18th, and he responded as follows. No, it was not in that specific sense, and again you have to put yourself, if you can, to portray the kind of dialogue that was going on during that week. I was frequently in the habit that week, and at other times, of having a discussion with the President, and picking up the phone and calling Elliot Richardson. On that occasion I may have expressed this as being of presidential concern, and I'm sure, if I did, that I would have had reason to know that, either because I knew the President's thinking, or because he specifically told me so. General Haig further denied that the President ever expressed any concern about Special Prosecutor Cox's investigation of Rebozo, and, in fact, could not recall any statement that the President made in discussing the $100,000 furnished to Rebozo, except the President's concern about the way the investigations were being handled. In indicating that the President had not expressed concern with regard to the Special Prosecutor's investigation of Rebozo, General Haig did state, however, The concerns I had about it were very limited. In the fall there was some concern about a number of areas that the special prosecutor may or may not have been involved in, in the context of his charter. Mr. Buzart, I know, has discussed it with me, and I know he discussed it with Attorney General at that time, Elliot Richardson. General Haig was also asked the following. Mr. Lenzner, do you recall representing to Mr. Richardson that the President was concerned that Mr. Cox was getting into an investigation of Mr. Rebozo? General Haig. I may have. I know our counsel was concerned about it. Mr. Lenzner. Which counsel was that? General Haig. Mr. Buzart and I discussed it. 
we discussed that and we discussed another area of activity that mr cox was into and i know there was some ongoing discussions with mr buzart and mr richardson mr buzart however testified directly in conflict with this above testimony mr lenzner now on or about the same date as this letter the october eighteenth letter of miss woods do you recall having any discussions with any other individual with regard to the initiation by special prosecutor cox of an investigation into the receipt by mr charles g rebozo of one hundred thousand dollars from the hughes tool company mr buzart no mr lenzner have you at any time become aware of the fact aside from the news media that mr cox had initiated an investigation into this matter mr buzart i may have been i don't recall it mr lenzner do you have any recollection of ever discussing that issue the issue of the cox investigation of the rebozo receipt of one hundred thousand dollars with general haig mr buzart no i don't recall it mr buzart further testified that he did not recall whether he was aware that general haig had made the october eighteenth call to attorney general richardson at the time it was placed jamil also testified that bartlett made an agreement with him that when he received the results of the federal reserve bank's search of the dates on the currency returned by rebozo to hughes he would furnish that information to jamil in addition agent bartlett's handwritten notes of november twenty fifth nineteen seventy three reflecting a telephonic contact with jamil indicate have we heard from the federal reserve concerning the money answered in the negative jamil also asked bartlett if irs had any evidence of funds going to a trust account of the president and bartlett told jamil that they had not Following Jamil's testimony on May 29, 1974, his counsel furnished additional information Jamil received from General Haig, to wit, Mr. Jamil now recalls two additional conversations with General Haig concerning the $100,000 contribution. One occurred a few days before Mr. Jamil left for China, and the other occurred possibly two months earlier. To the best of Mr. Jamil's recollection, General Haig, in both conversations, indicated that the Federal Reserve Bank report was on the way, and there may be a problem. On both occasions, Mr. Jamil recalls that he replied that the revenue agents had agreed to give Mr. Jamil a copy of the Federal Reserve Bank report, and that he would wait and see what the report said. In addition to agreeing to provide the taxpayer not only with a copy of his interview, but with a copy of the results of the Federal Reserve Bank report, the IRS apparently obtained access to only a limited number of cashier's checks purchased by Mr. Rebozo, despite the fact that a considerable number of cashier's checks were purchased by the taxpayer, under the names of Charles Gregory and Anita Reynolds the irs further agreed not to photocopy any of the cashier's checks to which they had access and did not obtain information from the checks themselves regarding who received the proceeds of such checks for the purpose of which the checks were issued general haig testified that he discussed the irs investigation of the hughes contribution with president nixon several times i would say there were several brief discussions when it came to my attention to my knowledge then there was a prolonged period when it never came up at all 
then i may have discussed it once or twice when the investigation was nearing a conclusion haig also testified that he was present at discussions in key biscayne between the president and mr rebozo regarding the investigation of mr rebozo on one occasion haig said the president advised him that rebozo had been before the select committee for testimony general haig further testified that on one occasion the president advised him of information the president received from mr rebozo i think he probably said that mr rebozo did not use the money because he was afraid it would be troublesome and he put it in the safe deposit box and left it there i know more recently the president expressed to me his absolute conviction that none of that money was given to miss woods or to his family his brothers finally secretary schultz stated to the committee that the only person he discussed the rebozo tax audit with was general haig and that this occurred in late nineteen seventy three end of section eighteen recording by maria casper